Good morning. It's a delight to be with you folks this morning, and I'm glad I had a chance to meet a few of you before the worship service started. I wish my wife Kathy was here with me. She's the main piano player at our uh, Northland Alliance Church in Reamer, Minnesota. Uh, Reamer, you know, is about 35 miles east of Walker on Highway 200, and uh, so she's busy there serving, and I'm glad to be able to serve here uh, with you folks this morning. And I invite you to turn in your Bibles or your uh, smartphone or your iPad to 119, because I want to invite you to uh, marinate on this a particular verse in Psalm 119. Is it up there on the screen? Verse 18, yes. Tell you just a little bit about myself. Uh, Kathy and I have been in Reamer since uh, 2015. Uh, we soon joined the Northland Alliance Church there. We're so glad we're part of that loving congregation. Prior to that, we spent 17 years in, in Montana working with the Rocky Mountain Bible Mission. And I had the opportunity to preach uh, many different uh, churches up in the mountains uh, here and there in Montana. And uh, just a joy to know that they share with us a like faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but I'm an Oregon boy. I grew up in Oregon. My wife, Kathy, is a South Dakota Prairie girl. We met at Bethel College in St. Paul. And we've had an interesting uh, 51, almost 52 years of a marriage together now. With uh, We have 17 grandkids. getting harder and harder to keep track of, of everybody. Uh, but what a delight. And so this morning, I call your attention to the word wonderful in two different verses in Psalm 119, uh, 119 verse 18 and verse 129. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. And verse 129, your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. You know, this psalmist was not living in a greenhouse protected from adversity. He was frequently having to face the opposition of his enemies. Now, let me ask you this. Why is God's word wonderful? I believe the author of Psalm 119 gives us at least four answers. Number one, because in verse 89... He says to the Lord, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. You know, so many things have changed that we used to depend on. Uh, right now, I'm still mourning what has happened to my birthplace, Portland, Oregon, the city of roses. I'm mourning what a peaceful and beautiful city it used to be. And I can remember... The first years of my life, we were living with my mom and dad up in the West Hills, up above downtown Portland. We'd look down and see the city, and then the ships uh, coming up the Willamette River from off the Columbia, from the Oregon coast into the city. And on the horizon, we could see snow-capped Mount St. Helens and snow-capped Mount Hood. And uh, so much has changed there since then. My dad's 
company office was right in downtown Portland at 4th and Oak Street, up on the fifth floor of that office building. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of this rioting and arson and tearing down of our founders' statues, probably just a few blocks from where the office building was. And so what can we depend on today? Well, we can depend on the Word of God because it is eternal. It doesn't change. It stands firm in the heavens. And because it's eternal, it is true. As in Psalm 119, verse 160, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. And so, why is God's word wonderful? Number one, because his word is eternal. Number two, verses one, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. If you're walking in the woods, we have a lot of woods up there around Reamer, a lot of trails, but you better watch where you're walking. You could trip over uh, tree roots or something else. And if it's getting dark, it's good to have a, a light, a lamp for your feet. See where you're going. The Word of God does that for us. Helps us to see the obstacles in the way so we don't trip. But God's Word is wonderful, thirdly, because verse 130, it says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You know, we had the men's advance at Miracle Bible Camp uh, up there several weeks ago. That's where I met uh, your pastor, Charlie. And uh, in many ways, we men are simple <laughs> compared to women. Women are complex, aren't they? No, just kidding. But verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And I'm so glad at that men's advance we were able to study the word of God together. And fourthly, God's word is wonderful because verse 165, it says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. 176 verses. Don't worry, you can relax. I'm not going to read through all 176 verses this morning. We don't know for sure who wrote Psalm 119. It may have been written by the prophet Ezra after the Jewish temple was rebuilt around 515 BC. But don't assume, as a superficial reader, that Psalm 119 harps upon one string and that it abounds only in pious repetitions and redundancies. One amazing thing about this psalm is that some form of the Word of God is mentioned, get this, is mentioned in 173 out of 106 verses. And yet the psalmist never repeats himself. And the more one studies Psalm 119, the fresher it becomes. Its depths are hidden beneath an apparent simplicity. Its astounding amount of truth is hidden beneath a veil of light. And therefore, only those discover it who are in thorough earnest. Of course, Satan doesn't want that to happen. 
according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Satan has blinded, blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. And above all, I want you to see Jesus this morning. I want you to turn your eyes on Jesus as we marinate in this Psalm 119, verse 18. Because he, above all, is the one who is and will be wonderful. Can you say amen to that? And uh, because we know Satan is busy, then we need to make sure that we're seeking the Lord and then opening the word to us. And so let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just take all the distractions away from our minds for these few moments as we look at your precious word and we earnestly pray for the aid of your Holy Spirit that he would illuminate the scriptures for us. We need, Lord, the eye salve of the Spirit to see what is in the Bible. So please, Lord, reveal yourself in your word to us this morning. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you several examples of why we should not assume that we know all there is to know in a passage of Scripture, even if we've read it a hundred times. I know I'm guilty of that, sometimes assuming that. In 1870, a bishop came to an Indiana college campus for a denominational conference. During his visit, the bishop heard the president of the college say something that shocked him. What did the president of the college say? He said, we live in an age of wonders. I believe the day is not far off when men will fly in the skies like birds. Remember, this is back in 1870. And the visiting bishop said to the president, you are speaking blasphemy. The Bible tells us that the gift of flight is reserved strictly for the angels. Well, ironically, the bishop's name was Milton Wright. Only three decades after that bishop spoke those words, his two sons, Wilbur and Orville Wright, made the first successful heavier-than-air flight from a windy hill at Kitty Hawk in North Carolina. Don't assume that you know everything to know that's in that passage of Scripture. And yes, I'm guilty of that too. Another example, in 1903, the president of the Michigan Savings Bank denied a loan to a young car-building entrepreneur named Henry Ford. The bank told Ford, quote, the horse is here to stay and the automobile is only a novelty, a passing fad, unquote. In 1943, or that is 1949, 1949, three years after I was born, Popular Mechanics magazine predicted, computers in the future may weigh no more than 1.5 tons. Who would have known that today there are mass-produced computers thousands of times more powerful than those envisioned in 1940? One of mine that can fit in the palm of your hand. You know, uh, one of my hobbies, I'm an amateur photographer. I love photography. And my camera uses a, a micro SD card to store pictures I've taken so that I can download to my computer and 
print on my printer the pictures from my camera from that micro SD card. And that micro SD card is so small that I need a tweezers to take it out of the camera and put it back into the camera. Did you know that you can buy a 128 GB micro SD card that will hold literally thousands of high resolution pictures? Think of how much easier it is now than it used to be to smuggle the whole Bible into a country where it is illegal to own a copy of the scriptures. Praise the Lord, that's possible today. That micro SD card can be inserted in the side of a smartphone. A person can read the whole Bible on that smartphone and then take the micro SD card back out and there is not a trace of the Bible on that smartphone. Now, what is my point in all of this? The point is this. Don't assume that you know the future. Predicting the future is a risky business. And do not assume that you know all the truth that there is here in Psalm 119. Instead, keep coming to the Bible with a humble request. And yes, that request is in Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. And I challenge you this morning to ask God the same thing the psalmist is asking in Psalm 119, verse 18. You know, the way that we treat the Word of God is the way we treat the God of the Word. And so when the Lord opens our eyes in answer to this humble prayer request, what will we as Christians see? Let me point out very quickly two or three things that we'll see. Number one, I think when he opens our eyes, we will see the significant in the simple. We will see the significant in the simple. We exhaust our souls when we try to deal only with the big issues and the great problems. And yes, there are great problems. We are in a war against fake news. There are things shout wrong. There are toxic ideologies that we've got to wait, watch out for, and anti-Semitism. And standards of decency have continued to erode, and Hollywood seems to be providing us with another disturbing season of vulgarity and wickedness. And at times, dear people, we, in dependence on Christ, yes, we need to address those issues. But there is great value at other times in simply coming to God in humble faith and asking him to show us new and wonderful things in his word. And speaking of wonderful things, we do still live in an age of wonders particularly if we are willing to humbly come to the scriptures and ask God to open our eyes to see wonderful things out of his word. What does it say in John chapter 1, verse 1? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You see, above all, Jesus is the word. And ultimately, as the psalmist here speaks about laws and statutes and ordinance of the Lord, ultimately he is pointing us to Jesus who is 
in Jesus are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus, who has provided me with his wonderful forgiveness and Lord. Yes, he's forgiven me. Jesus has David Simmons. The Lord Jesus came down from heaven's glory, gave up the independent use of his divine attributes, willingly went to the cross and died there and took the penalty for my sin, the penalty that I deserve to pay, which is death. He paid that price for us in our place, and then he rose again from the dead. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 12, it says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Do you believe that? And so, what is the kingdom of God worth to you? In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the Lord Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. But I must give you a warning. If I ask the Lord, like this psalmist, prayer, open my eyes to see wonderful things out of his word, Will he answer my prayer? Not if I hold sin in my heart. For it says in Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And it says in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have, have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And so, I include myself in this. May God forgive us for tolerating in our own lives and homes, books and video games and movies that are not holy, pure, and undefiled. And it reminds me of Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word. You see, a relationship with Jesus is a wonderful adventure. He wants to walk through life with us and show us wonderful things. All is not war and starvation and heartbreak. And if God is big enough and his love is great enough that he is able to give believers joy, even in the midst of terrible deprivation and persecution, then he is able to give us joy and sustain for us an exciting adventure that involves awe and mystery and wonder and wonderful surprises, and he will enable us to see the significant in the simple. Jesus did. Jesus saw the grain in the field, the bread on the hearth, the small coins of trade, the sheep by the wayside, lilies and fig trees, the farmer sowing his seed, all caught his eye and he used those things to show us meaning for life. Cult perception in things spiritual is sharpened by a cultivation of perception in things simple. The Lord enables us to see the significant and the simple. Now, if you look here at Psalm 119 again, 
How many times have you read it? Does it, if you're honest, at times seem tedious, boring, simple, get through all 176 verses? Why are there 176 verses? Let me try to explain. Psalm 119 is what we call an acrostic of eight verses. That is, there are 22 stanzas of eight verses each. And why are there 22 stanzas? Because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. 22 times 8 is 176 verses. And so as a memory device for the Old Testament Jew, the eight verses of each stanza begin with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And each succeeding stanza is assigned the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So that in the last stanza, each of those eight verses start with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The deity, God, is referred to in each of the 176 verses except one. The word of God is referred to in 173 out of the 176 verses. Eight different synonyms used to describe, refer to the word of God, whether it's uh, law or Torah, statutes, precepts, commands, commandments, ordinances, decrees, word, promised. And the psalmist, I believe, is referring to the entire uh, revelation of God as found in the Old Testament scriptures up to this time when Psalm 119 was penned. And yet, the psalmist never repeats himself. None of those 276 verses are exactly alike. And so Psalm 119 on the surface may appear, appear uh, bland and simple. And yet, as Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher of the late 19th century, wrote, before the eternal, he said, placid on the surface as the sea of glass before the eternal throne, it yet contains within its depths an ocean of fire, and those who devoutly gaze into it shall not only see the brightness, but feel the glow of the sacred flame. Did you know that Spurgeon's commentary on just this one psalm, Psalm 119, runs to almost 350 pages. Amazing. If God truly opens our eyes, we will see the significant in the simple. Just as a simple thing like dust, though we may not give it much thought, dust plays such a significant part in nature. To it we owe the formation of mists and clouds and gentle beneficial rain instead of water spouts and destructive torrents. Dust it gives us the, the uh, blue of the sky and the sea and the beauty of the dawn and the glory of the sunset and the diffusion of daylight which enables us to see without the direct rays of the sun. And you think of how the Lord has created us, human beings. Absolutely incredible. You know that every human being spends about a half an hour as a single cell. 
too often we are so preoccupied with what seems to be the momentous questions of life, or at least momentous for us personally that we fail to perceive God's hand in the simple things, like the simple individual living human cell. You think of the complexity of the individual living human cell. You know, the right chemical reactions have to be in the right combination at the right time in the right amount for there to be what we call life. Isn't it incredible when you think about it? And the DNA that we each have, not exactly like the, any other DNA of over 7 billion people, even if you're identical twins. X chromosomes and Y chromosomes, not many genders, male and female, created he them. Isn't it incredible how God has created us? And uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet think of the treasures that God has crowded into his world, sunlight and color and sleep, and the God of the universe, our God, our Savior, through whom God created the universe, who in intricate detail keeps things, and in his the same God who has chosen to reveal himself to us in Scripture, and in his Son Jesus at great cost to himself. He desires to walk with us, and so never, never lose the wonder of that truth. As Job said of the Lord, who does great things unfathomable and wondrous works without number. Oh, ask the Lord this to see wonderful things out of your law. You know, in closing, just uh, challenge you when you have some time, hopefully this week, Read through this psalm and have a piece of paper handy and write down what the psalmist asks for. What the psalmist asks for. And I, uh, I challenge you to do that because I believe it will deepen your prayer life as it has mine. Uh, did you hear about the new pastor that came to this Midwestern town and He'd only been there a few weeks, and somebody uh, saw someone from that church walking down the main street of the little town and asked him, oh, that new pastor uh, that's come to you, and now you're a pastor, what do you think of him? What's he like? And the church member said, oh, we really like him. He's a praying man. He's been asking things for God or other pastor didn't even know God had. We could all deepen our prayer life, couldn't we? We could all look at Psalm 119 and find different things to ask the Lord for. And he's ready and he's willing. He's more willing than we're willing to take the time to, to seek him. And so I invite you to see Jesus and see him here in the Old Testament as well as the New. So many ways he was predicted is the son that would be given in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And his name, it says, would be called Wonderful, Counselor, 
Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And it promises there, us there, that the government will rest on his shoulders. Is, don't you wish that really was true today? Uh, really, it's only his shoulders that can bear the weight of the governments of the world. We can't handle it, but he's in control, and we trust him, don't we? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this brief time that we've had together this morning. Please bless the ministry of your marvelous word. In Jesus' name, amen.